Don't Call Me Girl Boss is about sharing women small business owners' real, unfiltered, and relatable business journeys in Texas and California. I am your host, Jessica Ray Buck, a small business owner myself. I interview amazing women who share exactly how they got to where they are today. I hope this encourages anyone listening to start a business or get better in the business they are in. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. I am your host, Jessica Buck, and this week, I'm trying to think of what even happened. I feel like it's been a slow and fast week. Uh, my son still has a cast on, so that's fun. Um, currently, there's a huge storm in Austin, Texas. That's basically canceled every plan for business, um, Valentine's dates, you name it. I feel like everyone's inside. Um I have been working on getting my business loan for my new business venture, which is opening a salon in Austin, Texas. It won't be including spray tanning. So it's a little bit different concept. I'm just going to be a salon owner. And I have got a loan through peoplefund.org. So when you apply or are looking for a business loan, I recommend going through the SBA SBA has one called like the 507A and that is for startup uses or they have a micro loan which is like $50,000 and less and it was hard for me to qualify for those because last year I actually um, lost money in my business because of COVID so I really wasn't able to say hey I have this money to pay for it because I didn't show anything (laughs) that I made any money on taxes last year so um That was a challenge for me. So I'm going through something called a flash fund and it's a little bit higher interest and they do a discount for women, small business owners, but I had a really great experience with people fund. So I think they service a few States, Texas being one of them. So if you are looking for funding, I would definitely recommend going through them. And on Tuesday, I am going to look at a space that I'm super excited for. Well, hopefully I can go see with this weather. I guess we'll play it by year, but that's what's been going on with me. And this week's guest I have on is Robin Michelle Photography. She is in Austin, Texas, and she does boudoir photos. And I was really excited to interview her because I could never imagine getting boudoir photos. Like, I am just don't feel like I'm like that type of girl. Like, I don't feel like I'm sexy. Like there's a lot of things there that I'm just like, I don't know. I would just, I don't know. I was just not my space. But after talking to her, she made me feel comfortable. Like if I was to go get that done, I would choose her. She made me feel really good about it. And I know that she's coming from a great spot and it's not a judgmental spot. And I just really respected the way she talked about it and how she left her finance job of 10 years to pursue her dream. Like I love people who do that. I have so much respect for people who go all in on themselves and that's exactly what she did. So I'm super excited for you to get to know Robin. So without further ado, here is her journey. So I grew up in Montana. So this is like normal February weather. So it's not as shocking to me. It's more of a disappointment because I felt like coming to Austin, you know, I've lived in Montana and I've lived on the East coast. So I've dealt with like really brutal winters. So 
thinking, okay, moving to Austin, I'm never going to have to deal with that ever again. Yeah. And here we are. And Monday is supposed to be like one degree at night. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm from California. So this is like me moving in the snow. I'm like, uh, I didn't move to the mountains. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> I know. They're like, just kidding. So you grew up in Montana then? Yes, I did. I, um, born and raised there. I went to college there. And then right after college is when I moved to the East coast. So. And where were you in the East coast? Um, in New Jersey. Oh, okay. So and actually a few different towns kind of all over the place there. I moved around quite a bit, but all very close to Manhattan. So, you know, just being out driving, I could see the skyline. So it just kind of felt like more New York than New Jersey, but if you're, you're not allowed to say that <laughs> New Yorkers really don't like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Is it because your parents' job? Uh, this no. You're older. This is when I was older, right after college. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Oh gosh. So my mom was mostly a stay at home mom, but she also taught aerobics. She was an aerobics instructor. And I'm talking like the leotard with like super high cut legs <laughs> and then like the shiny teal legging like spandex legging so she was that kind of instructor well, that <laughs> and I wish I could good Halloween costumes <laughs> it totally does I wish I could dig up some old photos of her in her um workout outfit but I can't really find any um so she did that most of my younger years and then once I was in high school she actually um trained to be a CNA, a certified nurse's assistant, and then got involved in a lot of like nursing home care and home health care for like elderly people. So um, she's still, technically she's kind of retired, but she still does help um, an elderly woman every once in a while. And then my dad is fully retired. Um, he is kind of a jack of all trades really growing up. So he has a really fascinating history. He um, has done everything from, you know, he's in the Navy. He was part of the Apollo moon mission, which is super cool. He still has some of his memorabilia. Um, just, it's just sitting outside in like his garage, like not protected at all. So I've been trying to get him to like take it a little bit more seriously because that's a piece of history that he needs to think about yeah. preserving a little bit better. Um, but he did that before he was married to my mom and then he was a licensed abo which um is an optician basically so he owned i don't know if he owned or managed an optical shop for quite a few years then he started his own business um he owned an outdoor sporting goods store and then he invented something called a coat tote which i don't think it ever took off but it's essentially um, this strappy thing where you can roll up a blanket or your jacket or anything and just kind of like create a strap out of it to carry it around with you. Um, he has been a manager of a plastic surgery clinic. So he's kind of done wow. a little bit of everything. <laughs> now he's retired and he just kind of tinkers around in his garage all day. It sounds like my grandpa, that's all he does is tinker. And so does my dad. Like he bought, he just bought a motor home and it's totally doesn't work. And so he's just tinkering away, but like he acts like he's stressed, but he really enjoys every second. Right. Yeah. I think it's like in male DNA to do that or something. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I got the manual. I can't wait. I think it's this one part. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's cute. And he's like, okay. There's really something for everyone. Cause that's definitely that's not true. my forte. <laughs> 
And so what did you want to be out of high school? That is a great question. Um, I didn't even know who I was in high school, let alone what I really wanted to do. I think I fell into that trap of um, just kind of the very traditional, you know, here are your options. You can be a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, a nurse. And I was just like, well, I guess I'll be a teacher. <laughs> like it yeah. didn't, I kind of grew up in this really small town. So it was kind of a bubble and I wasn't really exposed to a lot um, of options that were out there in the world. I mean, the most exotic place we ever traveled to when I was younger was Canada. <laughs> well, I haven't so been I there. Really... So. <laughs> I just never really saw the world and um, I didn't really realize that there was more to life than just those limited options that, you know, were thrown at me. So I decided to be a teacher and really that wasn't even what I really wanted to do. I think my main mission at the time was just to get married and to be a stay-at-home mom, have kids, and that was going to be my life. So um, it's, it's very different from who I am now because having children is not really something that I'm passionate about anymore. It's not really something that I want for myself. So wow, it is funny to, to see how just being exposed to other options, um, in life have really changed what I want for myself. So you went through the teacher route right out of high school, mm -hmm. you went to college to be a teacher. Yes. And where was that at? Was that in Montana or is that when you moved yep. to the East coast? No, so that I went to Montana State University. That's in Bozeman. Um, it's also a very rapidly growing kind of tech bubble, almost the same way Austin is. So it's interesting to see how much has changed since I graduated in, gosh, <laughs> 2004 is when I graduated college. So um, I had graduated with my bachelor's in elementary education. And to make a long story short, the um, education department at the time had lost a bunch of files for the students. So we technically didn't graduate, even though we went through the commencement ceremonies and everything. Um, and we didn't find out until almost a month after. <laughs> They're like, um, I'm sorry, you didn't actually graduate. So your transcripts did not get sent to the different places you applied to. Blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of a huge blow because I really had my heart set on getting one position that was actually in Henderson, Nevada, um, which is right outside of Las Vegas. And I don't know if you're aware or not, but because of all of the gambling and the casinos there, it really has a lot of money left over to give to the schools there and the education system there. So it's actually really good. So that's what I really wanted, you know, for teaching. They always talked about, you know, their um, smaller class sizes, and there's always lots of teachers' aides and all these resources. So that was um, definitely something I was looking forward to. So I was pretty crushed when I found out that I wasn't even going to be considered for the job because they did not receive my transcripts. Um, and so while I was getting that sorted out, I ended up going through a nanny agency to be a live-in nanny. And that's how I ended up on the East Coast. I ended up uh, working for a really wonderful family in New Jersey while I was waiting to get everything with my college disaster squared away. Um, but I ended up loving it so much there that I was like, you know what, I don't think teaching is what I want to do. So I just kind of left that in the dust. And I really feel like even though I was born and raised in Montana, I really do feel like I grew up once I moved to the East Coast because I was exposed to so much. 
Oh, that's so interesting. Your college experience. I would have lost my shit, to be honest. I would <laughs> be so upset. But it's interesting when you have setbacks like that. But really, it probably progressed you more in life than it would have if you went totally to Nevada. Did. It totally did. And I I can't even really picture how different my life would be if I had gotten what I thought I wanted at the time. Um, and I think it's also kind of a testament to what was really in my heart, because although I was crushed, I didn't get that specific teaching job. It didn't last very long. And I think that I pretty quickly realized that maybe teaching wasn't really what I was really passionate about. So I don't think I was, you know, as devastated as most people would be if they, you know, had lost something that they actually really wanted. Um, and I just, I just didn't really want it. So I, did you end up getting that degree? Would that ever end up? Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) Yes. I do have my degree after they got all figured out. So I have it. I mean, I'm not sure how much it's helped me in life because I've never used it. I feel like more than anything nowadays, your college degree is just kind of your club card to put on your resume so that you can get hired. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know so many amazingly talented people, small business owners who've never even went to college and are doing amazing. So yeah, it's interesting (laughs) because I started going back to school this semester actually And the difference I find with people who've gone to college and not is the way they speak and are more articulate. Like, I don't know if you've noticed that before too. And I've gotten more articulate being on a podcast because I kind of like have to sound smarter than I am. Sure. Yep. Practice makes perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe that's where it's coming from. But like, I really do notice a little bit of that, if that makes sense. Yes. No, absolutely. I think, no, I think you're right on the money on there. Okay. I'm just like, cause there's something, cause I've seen all these people with degrees and I'm like, okay, what am I lacking? But I never took high school seriously either. Like I hated <laughs> high school. I was just there to play soccer. Like that was it. So <laughs> I just think I like grew up late. <laughs> I'm like, I you think, got a high school. I was like, yeah. I have no idea. Not, I mean, everyone has their own time. Their ugh, words are hard right now. Their own timeline, but especially now, I mean, I just don't understand why we still put so much pressure on young kids to feel like they have to have it all figured out by the time they're 18 years old. I mean, Mm -hmm. I still even know who I was in my early twenties and even in my early thirties, I still feel like I was figuring things out about myself. So everyone, my husband had a good point. He said that there is um, some schools that are transitioning from high school, you know, it's four years to having Mm -hmm. to actually be six years. So you're getting your associates through high school. Oh, wow. That's smart. Right. Like, I'm like, that is like the smartest thing ever, because then you, when you're really done with high school, you just jump into exactly what you want to do. It's not like, okay, now I have to take all these college courses of things I don't want to do. It's like, no, everyone has an associate's degree. That's awesome. I know. I was like, that's a really smart idea. And that's like, kind of like the free college, I guess, an aspect of it. Like people go to college. So maybe it'll be different when we get older and maybe our, my kid, I don't know about your children or you don't have children, right? I do not have children now. But I mean, I have lots of nieces and nephews and I just cringe when I think about the education that they're not getting. I mean, after being in the finance industry and just my own (laughs) journey and horribly managing my finances and not knowing a thing about money and being launched off into college with no clue about credit, taking out this huge loan that I didn't understand Mm-hmm. Um, having my first credit card before I even understood, you know, what credit was, I'm like, you know, oh, it's free money. And you just like charge that thing up and then you yeah. <laughs> really get into trouble. But there was no, 
nothing in all of my elementary or middle school or high school education, zero classes that taught us about how to manage money. Um, and I saw your post, your post earlier about, you know, the, about that. And I'm like, it's so true. I mean, we learn all of these just random facts, but we don't really have any life skills once we graduate. And so I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble. People don't even know how to write a check. Like they don't even teach you that. Like I only knew one because my dad owned a business and I used to have to write checks for him. But like my husband, he's like, uh, cause he's never had to. So when Mm -hmm. it comes up, he's like, I don't know. And it's not even his fault. It's just like, yeah basic things like that like he doesn't know how to do like the letterhead you know like where the postage stamp goes and like like, so our address goes here I'm like oh my god I love it like you're not taught that so I'm like well I guess I can't get mad at you yeah it's really not I think it's really our education system has failed us it's it's not parents either because it's not like a lot of parents out there have even got this education for themselves so I know very few people who are lucky enough to have parents who were in the finance industry in some capacity. So at least they learned, you know, enough to make them smart early on about their money. But I definitely learned a lot of hard lessons. So I'm very thankful that I kind of fell into the finance industry because I think without that, I don't think I would be successful at all. I mean, you have, you have got to understand how to manage your money if you want to go anywhere, I think. Yeah. So walk me through that. So you went through the nanny. How did that progress into the finance industry? So the um, woman that I nannied for actually was working for an investment firm in the city. And then I want to say it was about two years into working with her. She decided she wanted to launch her own firm. And um, the girls that I was nanny at the time were a little bit older, so they didn't really need a lot of one-on-one help. So there was a lot more time available for me to help their mom, you know, start up this business. And it was really cool. It was cool to be able to see someone start a business from scratch and just, you know, understanding about, you know, building clients and networking um, and all of the legal aspects that go into, you know, getting an LLC and all that. Um, so it was really beneficial for me to sort of have those tools in my tool belt, even though I wasn't aware at the time that I would be using them later to start my own business. But I started working for her, um, just doing basic administrative stuff. And we got to talking one day and she realized that I didn't have much of a financial background at all. And she helped me open my first Roth IRA. And then a few years down the road, got a little more serious with me about finances, like wanted to know if I had any credit card debt or anything like that. Um, And I definitely (laughs) misused my credit cards because again, like I wasn't taught how to responsibly use them. So I was in a little bit of a financial mess personally. And she really helped me work through that and understand it. And at that point I was like, you know what, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, it was really fascinating for me to learn all this stuff because it seems so like such an easy thing that everybody should know, yet it seemed like nobody knew how to do it. So I was like, you know, maybe teaching people finance is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I started to pursue that more seriously um, while working for her and started, you know, taking the exams to get the different licenses that I needed and uh, really stayed in that for just about 10 years or so. That's um, a long time. 
It's a long time. I, I learned so, so much and I am so incredibly grateful for just like investments and retirement and insurance. Just, I have just learned so much and I love being able to share that with a lot of my friends who, you know, same boat as me, like they did not grow up with any sort of education. So I love being able to kind of help them get their well, bearings. Now, you, now you have to give us some finance tips. Like what are like your top three finance? Oh gosh. <laughs> There's like lots of SEC regulation stuff around there. I'm not sure I'm actually able to like flat out give advice, but, um, I will say that, um, for, I would say for anybody who is younger, start saving and investing in a retirement account now, like don't wait. It's not like everybody looks at retirement. They're like, Oh, I'll do that when I'm older. It's like, no, you can start now. As soon as you have a job, your very first job, you can start contributing to a retirement account and just let that money grow. Um, and it can, you can only, you could like invest just a small amount and let it sit there and never put any money in that account again, just that compound interest over so many years. Um, it's just really beneficial. So I would just, that's my one piece of advice is just start early and don't put it off until you're older, because that's something you need to start doing right now to take advantage of time, because the more time you have, the more money you're going to end up once you're ready to retire and start making those withdrawals from your account. That's good advice. I need to do that. Speaking of that, <laughs> you would just recommend a Roth RIA. Is that what it is? Um, well, there's, <laughs> it depends on your earned income and also depends on um, your combined income, whether or not um, you could have a Roth IRA or you'd have to have just a regular IRA. So that's something definitely look into. There's actually a good book. I wonder if I have it. Oh, I do have it. Let me try to grab it. It's called On My Own Two Feet, A Modern Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. Ooh. I can yeah, I'm send you a screenshot of that later. I can DM it to you. Oh but goodness. it's a super easy to read and understand pretty much everything you need to know about managing your finances. And it goes into, like I said, like retirement and investing in different things like that. So um if you want, I can, um, send over the info on that to you, but it's again, it's called on my own two feet and it's by two women. Um, I'm not even sure how to pronounce her name correctly. Manisha Thacker and Sharon Kadar. They're both MBAs, CFAs. So they, um, really know their stuff. Like if you have a CFA designation, like that's one of the hardest in the industry to get. So you're, you're pretty smart if you have that designation. <laughs> well, that's an amazing resource. I'm definitely going to check that out because I struggle with finances. It's just like, I don't want to know like, um, okay, it's positive. Cool. Like that's as far as we go. Yes. And that's so bad. I know. I used to be that way. I would like sweat, like my palms would be sweaty, just getting ready to check my bank account balance. Yeah. And it was just ridiculous. But now I feel like just some super easy, um, every day. Well, not even really every day, but, um, just super easy changes that I've made to my finances. And now I feel like I can sleep at night and I don't have to worry about, you know, I feel, feels more like I'm controlling my finances versus my finances controlling me. Yeah. That's good advice. Um, so how, what made you want to leave the finance industry? Like after 10 <laughs> years, I feel like that's a long right. time. <laughs> like, okay, I'm done. Yes. Yeah, so, and you don't have um, kids. So that's like, I know people, <laughs> for, you know, having kids or something. 
No, I um, sort of like my teaching journey, like I just realized I was not passionate enough about it for the amount of work that is involved. I mean, you have to constantly, you know, take your continuing education. There's lots of different, uh, really difficult exams that you have to study for and pass. And I just felt like it was so much energy and I just didn't care enough. I'm like, why am I killing myself for something that I don't even care about? Mm-hmm. Um, there was one test in particular that I was trying to pass. It's the um, CFP exam and it's a six hour exam. It's also not cheap. I think that's like $500 as well. And you only have um, five chances to take and pass it before you can't do it anymore. Like ever? (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if the rules have changed since I tried it, but I think I tried it three or four different times before I'm like, this is just <laughs> like, this is bullshit. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, it's just it so draining and the constant studying. And it's not so much that the exam, it's not necessarily difficult. It's one of those exams that it's like full of trick questions. And I'm a very literal concrete thinker. Mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, to be tricked in questions, like just be real with me. I will tell you, you know what I know. If I had to take this exam verbally, I know I would pass, but I kept failing just the stupidest things. Um, and it was just, it was just too much for me. I'm like, it's just not worth it if I don't really care. And there was also, um, sort of a specific moment (laughs) that I hung on to for a very long time. This is when I was still working for, um, my boss at that investment firm and her husband had came into the office one day and we're just chit chatting. And because I had nannied for their girls for so long, naturally, I also took their photos as they were growing up. And I think this was around, I don't know, maybe senior year in high school. So I took their senior photos and I just sent them off, um, to their parents. So, um, her husband had just seen the photos and he comes into the office and he's like, Oh, the photos are great like I don't know what the hell you're doing here (laughs) like don't don't let your wife hear she's in the room next door but he just like even he could see that photography was my talent like why am I wasting time doing something you know I might have been good at it but it wasn't obviously my passion and my talent so that really um struck me and I kind of sat with it for a couple of years before I was like, you know, he's right. I don't know what the hell I'm doing still in finance. So it was, um, when my husband and I moved to Austin in 2017, I got a job with a financial company here and absolutely loved it. Like I love the team that I was working with, but it was still kind of the same, like studying to get or studying to take exams for more licenses. And it's just, just really draining. I'm like, this is just not it. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I kind of looked over at my husband. I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own photography business. <laughs> and I didn't, didn't even really ask him what he thought. I was just like, I'm doing this. He's like, okay. Um, so I stopped everything with the finance and I just head first dove into photography and it was probably within like a Friday night into Saturday morning, I sat at my laptop and I was furiously typing away. Like I felt like my whole business plan, I don't know what it was. It was just like, boom, in my lap, in my head. And I'm like, I got to hurry up and like type this out before I forget it. So 
Friday night I started, like worked all night long. I had like my business plan. I had like all my legal contracts drawn up. Like everything was just like on my laptop ready to go because I just, I just knew like it was already in me building for so many years. And then it just all just kind of came out once I was ready to just accept that that's the direction I needed to go. And how did you decide your niche? Like you're a very niche photographer. It's not like you're, I I know a lot of photographers who really do everything. So how did Mm -hmm. you decide yours? So back in 2005, um, I had got my first DSLR camera and I started really doing a little bit of everything because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I was doing newborn and maternity and families and just everything to try to really get a feel for what was right for me. And it wasn't until 2012, actually, my roommate at the time had a friend who was getting married and she's like, Hey, do you think you'd be able to take her boudoir photos? And I'm like her, what? Like, I had never heard of that before. So I had to go Google it. And I was like, Oh, okay. I get what this is. I'm like, yeah, that's totally fine. I'll try it and see. So I show up at this woman's um, apartment, beautiful apartment, like huge windows, um, beautiful lighting. And she is this woman who's from Colombia. And I don't know if you know women from Colombia, but they are the most confident creatures on the entire planet. So like right away, she's like, okay, let's do this. And she had all these different poses that she wanted to try. And I had a few that I had um, looked up to try with her. And it was just so much fun because I love the one-on-one kind of portrait style, because when you do families, it's a little more well, families or groups in general, it's a little more difficult because you're trying to wrangle everybody, you know, pose a certain way and get it all at the same time. And it can kind of be a lot. So working with the one-on-one, I just felt like I had a little more control over the situation as a whole. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak anyway, so that kind of benefits me. But I also just really appreciated her confidence. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this woman knows who she is and she's not afraid to show anybody else who she is and I just really admired that a lot so when I was ready to do my photography I didn't even have to think twice what I wanted to do I'm like this is what I wanted to do not just because I admired other women for their confidence but I also wanted to be able to help other women build their confidence and I would say that split pretty evenly with the clients that I see they're either very confident or they're not confident at all. I don't really have a lot of in-between clients. So when I do get the ones that aren't as confident, um, it just, it's such a good feeling to be able to deliver that gallery to them. And they're like, oh my God, I can't even believe that's to me. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have no idea. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's a good feeling to be able to help shift a woman's self-perception, I guess, because as women, we're so hard on ourselves and we're so critical of ourselves. So just being able to hopefully change that internal narrative that we have, that negative narrative we can have sometimes is just really huge for me. And I love it. Yeah. Well, how do you say it? Boudoir? (laughs) So the correct way to say it is boudoir. It's a French word, boudoir, but Americans, for some reason, we hang on to the R. So we just say boudoir. And I just say it because I don't want to sound like I'm like pretentious. <laughs> Come get your boudoir photos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Those type of photos literally scare the shit out of me. I'm the one that's like, <laughs> not confident at all. <laughs> like my friend just did some and she was showing me. And I'm like, how did you just do that? Like I would never. 
And so, you know, you know how you do it. You drink a little champagne before and that's how you do it. <laughs> that is true. But what if you don't, I don't drink. So it's like, then you just have to like, got to muster up the courage somehow. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just, I like look at that and then you're dealing with, you know, the most vulnerable people. I can even do that with spray tanning. You know, people are getting like literally naked the second they meet me. <laughs> And for some reason that doesn't scare me. Like I would get naked in front of someone to get a spray tan, but like those photos that you take, like, <laughs> I think it's because you have, you want to be sexy. So like, how do you know sure. what sexy is? So that's, it's funny you say that because that's one of the most common fears that I hear. Like I have to talk these women off a ledge all the time. They're like, I don't know how to be seductive. Yeah. I don't know what to do with my face. And I'm like, well, the best part is you don't have to do anything. It's my job to like go over and pose you like I'm grabbing people's heads and like you're turning this way I'm like like moving arms yeah and I'm like you don't have to do anything at all with your face and half the time like you're full you're not like looking head on at the camera so it's not like your senior year portraits where you have to have like a perfect smile or a perfect expression on your face so sometimes it's just like part of your face or not even sometimes your face isn't even in it at all (laughs) so it's I think people really build it up in their heads. Like they have to, like if they're walking down a runway or something, like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to move my body. I don't know how to be sexy. And the good news is you don't have to do any of that. Like that is my job to make you into, I guess the vision that I have in my head and kind of bring that to life. You just have to sit there and be willing to let me like mess up your hair a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, that already makes me feel more at ease. So I can see how that, that would help other women too, because I'm like, if you just told me to like sit on a bed, I'd be like, okay, like this is not yeah. going to be cute. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. I'm like, sit over there and just look out the window and people are like, all right. And then mm-hmm. I'm able to get a really cool photo and boom, that's all it is. It's super easy. Yeah. What was your husband like when you first told him, okay, I'm going to start my own business and then I'm going to do boudoir photos. Was he like, okay. I mean, I think like most guys don't even really get what it is anyway. Um, For him, I still don't think he just gets photography in general, which is fine. Like I think being in the arts in general is one of those areas where a lot of people don't get, like it's hard for people to take it as like a serious career. And he's like a very like career driven guy, you know, with his own career. So me doing my photography, like he's happy that I'm doing something that makes me happy and he's super supportive Um, but I don't think he necessarily had an opinion on it because he was just happy that I was doing something that I wanted to do. That's good. It's hard when you have a significant other who's like, wait, what? Like, I I don't want to like, (laughs) I don't know what that world looks like. I mean, a lot of people like don't always have a partner who's supportive because you didn't start out as like an entrepreneur. So that's a whole new aspect of a relationship. It's not like oh, that's who I married. It's like, oh, wait, exactly. <laughs> what? I know. I just, well, I told you and I didn't, I didn't even ask him, which is probably not wise marriage advice. Like you should always <laughs> run these things by your partner. Like it's a mutual agreement you need to agree upon. But, um, I don't know. Like I just felt it so much in my bones and I was like, I'm doing this. I know this is what I need to do. And he was like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I wouldn't say that everyone in my family is super supportive. And even though my husband is supportive to a certain degree, 
there's still a very lonely aspect about being, you know, an entrepreneur because there's wins that you have all the time that other people just don't understand. So you kind of have to celebrate yourself because there's really nobody else that you can really relate or understand what it means. So, um, I just, I just have to like give people grace and realize that they might not understand my vision now, but later on when I'm able to bring it to life, they'll understand and it's fine. Exactly. Like with spray tan. And I remember when I first started, my like sister was like, you're doing what? Like, that's so dumb. Like you're going to be a spray tanner. <laughs> and now she's like, Hey, do you need help spray tan? Right? <laughs> so it's like, you have to get to a certain point where people start taking you seriously because there right. are a lot of people you come across who talk, but never do. So exactly. I think you're battling that because of old people's impressions in their mind who, sure, you know, are broken record. So it's like, okay, yeah. well, once you start doing it and I see the money you're making, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, do right. <laughs> it sucks. It works like that, but it's true. Like I've seen yeah. a meme and it was like, I, you know, instead of baby showers, I wish, wish there were like business showers. So when someone oh, yes. started a business, like you would bring them gifts, like entrepreneurial books, like things like that. And kind of yeah. like shower that person and support them. And I was like, that would be amazing if that yes. ever happened, but I know I would have loved to have that because I definitely in the early days of this business felt very much by myself. <laughs> like I still isolated in my nine years in. So yeah. I don't think that yeah. ever goes away. It's hard. Probably not, but it's getting better now because I just realized that I don't really need other people's validation for what I'm doing. Like I know what I'm doing is what I want to do and it's making me happy. So if I have to celebrate sometimes by myself, that's fine. I mean, I have a plethora of champagne and stock for my clients anyway. So I'm always yeah. ready to go. That's amazing. So what did the first days of your business look like? So you have your business plan, you have your legal paperwork. Like what did that yes. week so look like? Um, just from my experience watching my boss in New Jersey building her business, I really understood the importance of building a good foundation. Like, I think a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to open a business. And the first thing I need to focus on is my clients. Like that is not the first thing you want to focus on. You need to build a good foundation. So like you said, you have to get legal. So your LLC or however you want to establish your business, you have to get all the legal paperwork done. Um, you know, setting up your business bank account. And then there's all these just, you know, you're wearing so many hats in the beginning. Um, so I think just getting all my ducks in a row was my main focus, along with networking, um, just with other businesses here who I kind of decided, you know, what my ideal client was going to be and try to think where that person would frequent, like what businesses so that I could also go to those businesses and build relationships with those people. So we could, you know, send referrals to each other. That's what I um, do. I think that's yeah. the best way to build a business. I think so. And I have gotten a lot of great business that way. And I also feel like if you give first, you're generally going to give back. So there were a lot of um, salons that I would go to. And I mean, I did want the service anyway, but I would go to the salon, for example, for these services um, build a relationship with, you know, whatever, um, stylist I was working with and then be like, Hey, I'm trying to build my boudoir portfolio. Are you interested in a free session? And, you know, of course, you know, that's so exciting. And then they would do it and then they would refer their friends or their clients. So just kind of slowly grew that way. And I still have really great relationships with a lot of those people. Like 
to the point where like I would invite them to my you know wedding if I had known them before I got married like just really close to these people and I also just love the atmosphere in general in Austin of how supportive small businesses are with each other because it was not like that at all in the east coast it was way more competitive um kind of stay in your own lane get out of my way no I'm not going to help you so I really do appreciate that about a lot of the businesses here that were just willing to step in and step up and support each other like that. Yeah. That's how California is. I never really like, I knew some business owners there, but it was never like how it is in Austin. Like you said, like I would invite them to my wedding for sure. Like Mm -hmm. it was, you know, in the beginning, like me offering a free spray tan, but then it turned into so much more like our kids are hanging out. Um, you know, they're coming over to watch the bachelor, just like they just, and it's organic and it's natural. It's not like, oh, I'm doing this to get a client. It's like, exactly. I'm I'm new to Austin. Like I also need friends. You're cool. (laughs) I love to hang out with fellow women business owners because it's nice to have a community who understands what you're talking about. Whereas in California, I didn't have like those women because I didn't have, I was hanging out with everyone from high school and everyone from high school is like, I don't know, still getting drunk at the bar down the street, you know, it's just, it's just different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. Um, So that was a huge part of my early days in business building is, you know, the networking and relationships. And like I said, just getting all my ducks in a row. So that was really, let's see, I started October, 2018. So then October, 2018 to October, 2019, I was building my portfolio so then, you know, I had my one year, I had like a little kind of, um, studio soiree, like, Oh, cause we got a house. I'm like, come and, you know, see my studio. Cause when I was first doing it, I was just literally taking the photos out of the bedroom in my apartment, <laughs> which always seems super sketchy. Like I'm surprised any of these people ever showed up, like going to some stranger's apartment to take <laughs> photos, but bless their hearts. They came and they trusted me. Um, so I was so excited just to have this space in our house to do it. And, you know, I had a lot of bookings towards the holidays that were coming up because I had some, like mini session uh, specials going on. And I was super excited to see what was going to happen going into 2020 and then COVID hit. So <laughs> how did COVID affect your business? Were you able to continue or because you're pretty much in control. It's in your home. So even though, yeah, even though I'm a home-based business, I still had to abide by all the same, you know, regulations because I didn't want to get into any legal trouble. Um, And honestly, like legally, I think I was only ever subjected to the like initial three-week kind of lockdown that we did. Um, But then after that, it was a more... So I'm, I'm tied pretty heavily into the wedding industry. So most of the clients that I did have um, were like bright to be getting married. And when COVID hit and they had to cancel their weddings or reschedule whatever, I just wasn't at the top of their list, understandably. So I had a few people just reschedule and I had a lot of people like, I'm just, I don't know when I'm going to schedule if at all, because I don't know, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to do for my wedding. Um, so it really was kind of a dead year in 2020 and it really sucked because I felt like that was going to be my first like legit year in business and I was so excited and then it just kind of fizzled and it really amazed me how many other people I'd run into and they're like you know I've been following you on Instagram it just looks like you're crushing it and you're killing it 
And I'm like, you know what? That's so deceiving. Like, I'm glad that I have a really professional looking Instagram, but I was not crushing it last year. People say the same thing like, to me all the time. I'm like, just because I have a nice aesthetic on my Instagram, exactly, doesn't mean I'm booked tonight. Like, yeah, I get no. that all the time. And I'm like, where do you get that from? Because I would like love to know, like, what story <laughs> I'm supposed to make you think I'm like balling out. Right. Of I like two clients last year like it was really yeah. sad but they're like oh you're just I don't know how you're doing it you just are really crushing it and I'm like I am not I'm just really good like you said that having a nice aesthetic of my feed because I want to keep it professional um yeah. but I think a lot of people just assume that you know your first few years in business you're just like killing it I'm like that's just not the reality it takes quite a few years before I feel like you're getting a steady clientele and you know you're slowly growing but those first years you're more likely to lose money than you are to make money because you have to you know put in the money for all the startup costs and different fees that are associated with starting a business so yeah that's not not crushing it at all last year well most of us weren't you know unless you were in the finance industry <laughs> the refis or yes. the medical industry really right so it's yeah. okay. We're all in the same boat. I did not <laughs> by any means. Like I lost. Money. So you did what? I lost money last year. So, oh, oh yeah. I lost a little bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what is the process of getting photos by you? So like, do you do like a consultation? I mean, what if you get someone who's just like, I can't do this. Like, what is your process? <laughs> like, I feel like that's got to have happened. So I've had a few people actually um, schedule a call because they're like, I'm not really sure what this is. I need some more info. But most people, they are, they seem to be finding me through Instagram hashtags, like however they're searching hashtags. And they're just going online and booking. Like they're not even asking me any questions. They're just like booking right okay. away. So once they book, um, I send them out a welcome guide, which gives them an entire run through of what to expect. Like managing client expectations is so critical because that's how you prevent somebody from writing a bad review, essentially, because there aren't going to be any surprises. Um, so it's a lot of handholding. It's like, here are wardrobe options, here are makeup options, like don't wear tight clothes the day of your session because you're going to get those little indent like clothing indents and then I have to edit it out and I don't want to do that. So it's a very specific list of like do's and don'ts. And I also really try to make them feel comfortable um, with my approach, like letting them know if there are any poses that they don't want to do, they don't have to do it. Like it's just like I'll give them suggestions, but they're really in full control of what they do or don't want to wear or do and don't want to pose. Um, so the welcome guide goes out and then once it gets a little bit closer to their actual session, I send them another email with just sort of another little mini list of how to prepare so that they feel, you know, their best the day of their session, even little things like where to park, you know, my address, um, all that kind of stuff. So very Handholdy, I'm always available for like questions if anybody has any questions. And then once they arrive at the studio, I try my best to like really ease into things. Like we don't jump right in, like, okay, take off your clothes. We're gonna take some photos now. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people fear. That it's like, okay, I'm just meeting this person for the first time and I have to strip down. But it's not like that. Usually um they're getting their hair and makeup done. I have uh, makeup artists actually come to my house 
to get them all glammed up so they don't have to like go somewhere first and then come to the studio. So kind of gives them time to like get comfortable. They're sitting in the chair, they're getting glammed, glammed up. So we have time to chit chat. They're drinking champagne, which always helps like settle nerves. There's music on in the background. And then once they're ready to go, I actually have them um, show me their wardrobe options that they brought. And we kind of talk about how we're gonna piece them together. And then I usually sit down and just kind of show them all the different pose options uh, and ideas that I have for them so that they can right away, you know, let me know if they're comfortable with it or not comfortable. And then usually just start slow, like, you know, more full coverage, like maybe they're wearing a robe or like a sweater or something. So it's like I said, it's not like jumping in and you have to take their clothes off right away. So it's really like very slow, really eases everybody in. So by the time, you know, we do get to those poses where, you know, there might be no bra involved, you know, they can feel a little more comfortable and confident with themselves. And yeah, that's yeah. the process. Um, how did you find the makeup artist you wanted to work with? So I used to be a part of a Facebook group. It was for like local um, models and artists and photographers in the Austin area. So anytime anybody was looking to collaborate, they could just throw up a request, you know, looking for who was available. So I just kind of slowly met with different artists and just built kind of a list that I felt comfortable um, with them as a person, but also in the quality of their work, because they did have a few that I was trying out and I just didn't really feel that they um, were at the level that I wanted them to be, mm -hmm. you know, because how they however they do the makeup, yes, it reflects them, but it also reflects on my business as well. So I got to make sure I'm using artists that have done it long enough to where I feel like they're at the level that I need them to be. And what is it like having a home-based business? Um, I love it, but it's also a little frustrating because, um, <laughs> so my husband has a job that requires him to travel a lot. So it's super convenient when he's gone and I have clients over, but when he's home and I have somebody scheduled, I kind of have to like ban him to a certain section of the house or he's yeah. not really allowed, you know, to come out. So I feel a little bit bad, but I typically try to structure my, um, session. So it doesn't really occur when he's home. Cause I mean, it's his house too. It's not really fair to kick him out of the house or like block him, lock him in his room. Um, Are there any other struggles that you go through with being a home-based business? I really think there really aren't that many struggles, honestly, other than, you know, not having a designated separate space. It's a lot of constant setting up and taking down because it is my house. So although it's like a separate room, I can't just like leave shit up all over the place. Like I have to constantly like put stuff up right before the sessions. And then after the clients take it down again, so it can be a little repetitive and annoying, but that's really, I mean, that's not a huge struggle. And I would say it's actually been kind of a blessing um, because I don't have a lot of overhead expenses at the moment. Like I'm not having to pay an extra, you know, mortgage or a lease on an, a space somewhere else. So, I mean, I do hope to get to that point someday, but right now I'm just thankful that I don't have that extra expense and I can um, keep a little bit more money in my pocket. Yeah, definitely. That's why I start out with mobile spray tans to keep my overhead low. So it's kind of, like, yeah. I feel like your business is completely different, but we have a lot of similarities because we're dealing with very vulnerable clients, mm -hmm. like super vulnerable. And 
my goal is confidence and your goal is confidence yeah. as well. And it's a great gift to give to anyone really. Yes. What camera do you like recommend someone starting out or in the same field as you? Oh gosh. <laughs> so I feel like camera wise, I mean, anything is going to work really. I mean, really, um, there are so many different options out there. I like Nikon for the only reason that I started using Nikon and that's all I've ever used. I've never really shot on a Canon or a Fuji or um, a Sony. And I hear lots of great things about all those brands from lots of different photographers. So I think it's just more about um, picking up um, something maybe I would say on the lower end so that you understand how to actually use a camera before you start really investing in the more expensive lenses um, or bodies because it can be a very expensive um, hobby and profession to get into. (laughs) Yeah. And so how many, what's like your goal for how many clients you would see a week? Oh, goal. Oh my gosh. The goal would be at least five or six clients a week. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, I have had that happen before, but realistically it's more like two or three clients a week. Um, at the moment, I don't mind it so much because I feel like that gives me a lot of time left over to focus on the business side of things, because, you know, as a business owner, we're wearing a lot of hats. So just because I don't have clients come, it doesn't mean I don't have a lot of work to do. So, and you're editing. um, yeah. And the editing is incredibly time consuming. I know some photographers will outsource that. So they just like take the pictures and that's kind of it as far as they're involved in like the image, but I don't want to be that type of photographer. Part of it's just like, I want to be in control of everything, but I also have a very specific look that I'm going for. Um, and I just feel like I want to have that control over the final editing of my images. So very time consuming. Um, but like the accounting side of things or, you know, dealing with a website and dealing with just so many things you have to think about when you're the only one running the show. Um, I am very thankful that I have time to focus on that. And then hopefully once I get busier, I'll be able to get to the point where I can have an actual assistant come kind of take care of those things for me. Yeah. And so you built your clientele mainly by networking. Is that what you would say (laughs) just with other business owners? Um, I started, yeah, definitely started off that way. And then it kind of, um, the fire just kind of kept going. I mean, lots of referrals from clients and then also definitely having an Instagram presence as well. I've gotten a few people who just found me because of a hashtag that they searched, but those are, I mean, I haven't really bothered to advertise myself anywhere else, which is not good. It's just, I just haven't had the time to really go further into Facebook advertising because I'll be honest, I hate Facebook with a passion, just like the platform itself. When you look at it from um, a business page standpoint, it's just very messy and it's not very user-friendly and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Plus it's a challenge um, to be able to market my images because a lot of them violate, you know, the community standards. So um, I'm, I still haven't figured out how other photographers or big brands are able to advertise just fine. You know, I, I don't know if it's because they're generating more money for the platform. So they get a little more attention. Um, but I constantly find my posts being taken down for <laughs> violating their community standards. So it's just really frustrating 
Um, and then I also really need to uh, focus more on my website and SEO and stuff. And I just haven't gone around to that yet, but I have been pretty busy just Instagram and referral basis um, at the moment. So I know that once I start focusing more on those other avenues as well, I'll just keep growing. Yeah, you definitely will. It's like you have to have everything because you never know where your next client's going to come from. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I heard a lot of um, boudoir photographers say not to get spray tans before. Have you heard that? And is that a thing? I think I told you because you had reached out to me asking yeah. me and I'm like, I don't recommend. I have not heard anybody else. I've um, heard it before. Say that? Oh. Okay. The main reason why I do, it's because I can't control who the client goes to to get the spray tan. And if they go to somebody who, you know, it's like, their first time doing it and it's like really streaky or the client tries to do it themselves like the worst thing on the planet for me is when I get the client and they have like the stained hands or like the bottoms of their feet because that just takes hours and hours and hours to edit out and I'm just like just I photo. yeah I'm like I just don't have the patience to do that so I'm like if I could control who they went to and I knew that person was good at it then fine but because I don't have that control um, I always recommend against it because it's just like, I don't want to see your streaky feet or hands in the photo. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I never knew why. So I'm really glad you gave that clarification because that yeah. like totally makes sense because you can get a really shitty spray tan. Like that's a thing. Uh, yeah, but I've, I've also heard just, I thought it was maybe because like the editing, sometimes they can look orange because the way the photographer. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes um, I think honestly, a lot of it depends on the client's actual skin tone. Cause I have had a few clients who went and got spray tans anyway, and it was totally fine. Um, and I've had some who looked a little bit kind of orange tinted. Um, but I mean, well, like I know myself, <laughs> like I would never do a boudoir foot photograph or photo session without a spray tan. Like there's no freaking way <laughs> I am so white. So like, that's another misconception though. People think, Oh, I'm going to be too white. And they don't realize that depending on the editing that photographer is doing, sometimes the editing gives you a natural glow. So it looks like you might've had, but like, I just spray feel tan. confident. Like I feel yeah. skinny. Like I feel toned. Yes. No, I totally get it. But I think, it, <laughs> yeah, it just depends on how the photographer, you know, edits and post-production. So yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. So how did you decide your pricing? Like how did you start out free and then kind of slowly go up? And are you at like your gold price? So I'm definitely not at my gold price. So I, I actually started off kind of looking what the averages were in the industry as a whole. And then in my area specifically, and it is crazy. I mean, there are people on the East Coast that are charging $10,000 for a session, which wow. I mean, they're worth every penny. If you see those images, like they're freaking amazing. And those photographers have also been doing it for like 20 plus years. So they've got a lot of experience under their belt. So starting out, I knew I didn't have a ton of experience and I knew what I was able to do and what I was able to deliver. And I kind of based it on that. So it was pretty low in the beginning. Um, a lot of that was just didn't have a lot of confidence in myself yet. So I was like, I need to kind of test the waters a little bit is kind of how I was doing it. But um, now that I'm, I feel a lot more confident with what I can do and what I can realistically deliver. I've definitely raised my prices and I'm already raising them again next month. 
Um, but the biggest factor is really just knowing it's knowing your value, but it's also knowing how much you want to make. And then you've heard that saying before, like know your value and add tax. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you have to factor in all of your, you know, taxes, your bills, like any outgoing money, like whatever it costs to make the client's album or prints or whatever, you have to factor all of that in. Um, cause I think a lot of people they're like, okay, I'm going to charge, you know, $500, but they haven't factored in that the photo album they're going to give their clients is $200. So suddenly now they're only generating $300. So they get caught off guard towards the end of the year when they think they should have more money, but they don't realize that they needed to kind of factor in all of the um, kind of overhead expenses and taxes and things like that. So thankfully, like I said, being in the finance industry, I was able to get a lot of tools to make um, better, I guess, choices about managing my money and especially for business sake. So I was able to already understand that, but, um, yeah, pricing, pricing is hard. And I think anybody, especially when, um, they see other photographers out there who might be really good and not charging as much, they kind of worry, oh, if I'm charging more then I'm going to lose clients because they're going to go to somebody who's cheaper, but you can't think of it that way. I mean, I always try to use the analogy, the fast food analogy, where if somebody really wants Chick-fil-A and they're like, all right, I'm going to go get Chick-fil-A and they're driving down the road and they pass by a McDonald's that's like having a special, they're not going to turn into the McDonald's McDonald's driveway and get the special. Like they want Chick-fil-A. That's what their heart is set on. That's what they're going to pay for. So just have to keep that in mind with photography, like, or with any business, like your clients want you or your product for a reason. So like, don't be so afraid of raising your prices or, you know, be so afraid of the competition or losing people to competition because they want you for a reason. Yeah, it's true. I agree with that. And it's a hard, you'll learn that when you're, I've gotten to a point with spray tanning where it's like, I don't want to do this anymore at this price. So I know I need to raise my, yeah, <laughs> what I'm charging because I don't want to do this anymore. And so then once I raise my price, I'm like, Ooh, this is fun again. Yeah. But you, you'll hit that wall and you're like, okay, no more true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what would you tell someone who wants to be in your line of work? Um, I would say don't compare your initial images to somebody who's been doing it for like 10 or 20 years, because I definitely fell into that trap when I was starting. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think just because you might be a good, you know, wedding photographer that you're also a good, you know, boudoir photographer naturally. It's like, no, they all kind of have their own little quirks and different things about them that make them just a little bit different. So you might not necessarily be good at something right off the bat, just because you might be good in another area of photography. So whether you're new to photography in general, or just new to the boudoir category specifically, just don't, you know, start taking photos and then trying to compare them to someone who's actually been doing it for a long time. Cause I totally did that. And it's very discouraging. So I'm like, why don't my photos look that good? Like, I don't understand. It's like, Oh, cause they've been doing it forever. That's why. And so you're also all self-taught, right? Like you never took any yes. classes. No, I, I'm not very good. I'm not a very good student. I guess. Like, I don't like sitting still and you know, reading stuff. I, I hate 
Like I'm not an audio learner either. Like I have to learn by doing. So in order for me to learn something, I just have to like go out and do it. So for me, it was picking up my camera and just trying to learn all the different settings, you know, through pass fail basically. And I would try to look up different YouTubes. I mean, honestly, there are so many tutorials and things out there for free nowadays. There's really um, every available resource you can think of just a click away. So I didn't really have that when I was just starting out, but um, yeah, I just picked up my camera and just tried and tried. If I failed, I just keep trying until I figured it out. So that's just how I learn. I don't really recommend, you know, that's how everybody needs to do it. <laughs> if there's like a photography course or something like absolutely take it if that's, you know, your style of learning. But I, I feel like I always have to learn the hard way. <laughs> Yeah, me too. That's what I did with spray tanning. Like I didn't take any spray tan classes. I just like YouTubed and then kind of trial and error. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people who like pay for me to spray tan them or train them to spray tan. That's awesome. That's the way they learn, you know, and Mm -hmm. with either one, I probably should have done some more training in the beginning. I would have, you know, not got some bad reviews, but (laughs) yes, I was also like 23 and just like, whatever, like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know it would be like my full business either. I just thought it'd be like a side gig. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are some like major struggles or minor struggles that you're going through with your business or anything like hard that you want to talk about? Like, I know I kind of went over them with COVID and stuff like that, but is there anything else Mm -hmm. that you've been finding difficult? Um, I think other than just the challenge of being able to post freely without, you know, violating stupid community standards, um, I would say the other challenge that I face is just, you know, I, I'll have like this kick-ass session and these images that I'm so proud of, or like, I feel like maybe I grew so much from the session and just the quality of work shot way up. And the client will be like, oh, I don't want you to share them. (laughs) And of course, I totally respect that. Like, I'm not going to go, you know, post pictures if, you know, a woman wants to keep them private, you know, into herself. Like, I absolutely respect that. And I encourage that if that's how she's feeling. But it's also really hard because when you're really proud of your work and of course, being able to show your work is how you grow your work. It can be really, um, really discouraging, but it just yeah, it is what it is. And, um, there's not really anything I'm going to do about, it. I'm not going to change my business model and just start posting away. Um, so it's just kind of part of the business that I've learned to accept and, you know, I can still be proud of my work, even if nobody else sees it. Yeah. Well, it was, it was funny because you just did Abby and I, she was on yeah. the podcast <laughs> like two weeks ago. So when I saw that photo, I was like so excited because I spray tanned her for that. She yeah. got a- <laughs> She told me, (laughs) well, I hope you didn't have to edit anything. No, no. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so when I saw that she, you posted that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to post this because it was her birthday. Yeah. Also like a teaser on the Instagram. So it kind of like a natural flow to have you on. So it was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that worked well. And she was another one of those. I'm like, you know, if you give first, it'll eventually come back. So I did go to her and I got my eyebrows microbladed and um, try to refer everybody that I know, because I'm just so, just so thrilled with my eyebrows. I know that seems like such a silly no, thing, really especially good. for, for <laughs> guys yeah. to hear, you know, like, oh my gosh, eyebrows are so important, but I cannot tell you how much my confidence grew just by finally having 
nice eyebrows because you know like a lot of girls in middle school and high school I overplucked them so I just had like the line and then they grew back all weird so now I feel like I have my eyebrows back and it's it's life-changing and I'm not trying to be dramatic but it really is no I totally get it I have mine done too and it is um yours look really good I'm looking at I've been looking yeah. at this <laughs> while I've been talking to you I love to Thanks, admire good eyebrows <laughs> um so, okay, quickly, I wanted to talk about your Instagram issues because, so what's going yeah. on? Cause I remember I tried okay. to, and I was like, couldn't find your account. Um, so I had to do a lot of digging and there's this glitch with Instagram called the no posts yet glitch. And it, I don't know, it just like affects random people. I don't know why I haven't been able to get any answers. And it's unfortunate because Instagram does not have customer service, right? you send an email to their support or you call into their helpline, it just goes into a black hole. Like nobody addresses it unless you're a blue check mark or you know, you're somebody important who generates a lot of money for the platform. So I'm just like a little nobody. Um, but it's really strange because some people can see my account as it is normally with my like 1700 followers and 300 some posts. And other people will go, even people that I've, like I'm friends with in real life who've been following me forever, suddenly like, oh, I can't see your account. It just says no posts, no followers. So it looks like like a spam robot account or something. So I have heard that Instagram is trying to fix it. I don't, I don't know, because like I said, you reach out and you don't get any help at all. So I do have a backup account and I'm contemplating if I want to just roll over to that or not. I mean, it's hard feeling like I would need to start from scratch yeah. again on Instagram um, and like have to repost stuff that I've already post and like annoy people with stuff they've already seen, which I don't really want to like put out content I've already put out and bore people to death. Um, well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't see the content that you've posted. So like I heard, I've heard a lot of like social media marketers say they'll like rebatch your content because yeah. people forget like I know like I wouldn't like that with my Instagram I'm like oh my god I can't repost this photo because I know everyone's seen it before but like it's just <laughs> not the case like I yeah. promise you like <laughs> that's just the way you think because I'm like that with my Instagram but like but I'm not saying like go do that but I'm just saying that mind yeah. frame like no. I promise you like people won't realize yeah or you know that's good advice a ton of photos before you start like requesting other people, you know, just kind of get like a big feed going. That's true. I did have a few people who randomly just started following me even before I, I haven't even announced it officially on my main page that I have my backup account that I'm thinking of rolling over to, but people found me anyway on their own. So I've got my, all my 40 followers on my other <laughs> account. So. so what is a no, what is this glitch? Like, do you know more information or is it just no. like I've only been able to find information just Googling and getting redirected to different forums of other people struggling and having the same issues. So, um, I, I mean, there's definitely something, I mean, when, um, they first rolled out where you could use the different fonts finally in your stories, that was like a while ago. And I just got it like the other day, finally, yeah. even though it was rolled out forever. So the, I don't know if there are a bunch of accounts like stuck in their own little category for some reason that the algorithm or the updates just miss or it's really backed up. I don't know, but it's frustrating from a marketing standpoint, because obviously I want all of my followers to be able to see my content. 
And if I move to a different platform, I don't even know if they're going to see, you know, that I've announced that I've moved to another platform, but it's so frustrating. You know, it is what it is and I'll just deal with it. And I mean, at the moment I'm still getting new followers every day. So obviously people are able to still see my accounts. I just don't know who or how or why. Well, my sunless Ray one can see you, but not the, my podcast Instagram. So that's why I was confused because I was like, oh, wait, why do I see her? I like in my what's going on? Yeah. Well, I can't even see my own account from my other account. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, if you do transition over, I will, re- you know, be like, hey, go follow her. I know Abby well. Oh, I know yes, your community. Thank you. So just yeah. know that if something like that does happen, your people will come around and support you and be like, hey, she has a new page. Like, I know for a fact thank Abby you. would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like if my, if I was going through, I'd like be losing my mind. Like <laughs> you need to like go to the bars or something next to in- the Instagram or Facebook employees. Oh, geez. Like, I know. Like, find a buddy. Find a buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like that sounds crazy, but be like, so I've been having an Instagram. <laughs> They're probably like, I feel like anybody who works for those companies probably gets bombarded with that all the time. From oh, I'm sure. But I'm like, <laughs> come on, like who else are you supposed to go to? It's nothing. It just, it really is disappointing though. I mean, the way that they profit off of our information, um, they don't give us a say in how they use, you know, our information, but then they don't even bother to really give us, especially small businesses, like any sort of a helpline or customer service to help us with these things. So but they'll gladly take your money to boost now. Yeah, take it absolutely. <laughs> like, so yeah, I can't boost. I'm not going to bother boosting something if people can't see it anyway. And I keep telling that like every day I put in the support request. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to run any ads and give you my money if people can't see my content. So <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sorry you're going through that. I can't even imagine the frustration behind that. Yeah, very frustrating, but all in uh the name of owning a small business. It's just one of many. <laughs> well, that's why they say, you know, you don't own your social media platform, like focus on yeah. your email list. So absolutely. So hopefully you're focusing on that and really building your newsletters and all of those things to stay yeah. in front of your clients. But yeah, no one absolutely. can take that away from you. Yeah. True. So where do you see yourself in a few years, like your business? I really do see myself having an offsite studio. I really feel like I'll be uh, more established. They stay on the same um, trend that I am now, just kind of the same slow and steady growth. I really do feel like I'll have that offsite studio, which would be very exciting. Um, and also just hopefully just being a little more well-known, I guess. I mean, I know there are a few boudoir photographers. I feel like everybody knows them. I'm like, okay, I want to get to that point too, where... <laughs> people know who I am at least. And yeah. Well, it's amazing. I'm sure you will succeed at that and just watching you grow. And after this COVID crazy is over oh, our business, because this isn't even like our full momentum, like no, this isn't normal. You know, we're not at normalcy <laughs> yet. So you don't even yeah. know the caliber of what your business is at right now, which is like sucks for me too. Cause it's like yep. Valentine's day, huge you know, week yeah. for both of our businesses, but like, mm-hmm. we really feel that like, probably not. No. <laughs> and now it's like a blizzard. So it's like, 
people are definitely not going outside right now no, they probably they probably shouldn't considering the roads are a little bit treacherous yeah, like I don't want to leave my house and like god forbid who wants a spray tan it's like 30 degrees out so it's just on top of covid so <laughs> maybe a few months from now in summer maybe we'll our business I hope so I'm looking forward to it <laughs> you know me too well, I'm so glad you came on and I got to virtually meet you. Your story yeah. is amazing. I love people who quit corporate and go all in on themselves. I've um, also interviewed Tan. She owns Kosher and she did the same thing. She had like her PhD, like such a smart woman. And she just like quit her, you know, making tons and tons of money to just go yeah. all in on herself. And I just respect that so much. I think it takes yeah. so much courage to lose, to leave that security. It's and true. all the and benefits I, and healthcare. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's, um, there's definitely a lot that you risk, but I think people are redefining what it means to be successful nowadays. And they realize that maybe having all the money isn't what it means to be successful. Maybe it's about doing something that you love, um, and being able to at least make enough money to, mm-hmm. you know, support yourself with, but Um, that's what I, that's what I love, you know, about my job. I feel like even though I might not be making millions of dollars right now, I feel success after every client gets their gallery and just, you know, is thrilled with the results and has more confidence in herself. Yeah. And there's no cap. Like no one's going to say, right. No more clients for you. You've made enough money. Exactly. It's like, no, I'll just hire someone because I can't take all my clients, you know, like that's right. That's one of the beauties of owning a business where in corporate world, like you do cap out eventually, unless you take more tests, like you were saying, I'm sure. Yeah, no. And yeah, that's the great thing about photography is that there are no tests. (laughs) I have to take any more tests for the rest of my life. And it's an amazing feeling. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for spending your Friday night with me. I really appreciate it. Like I said, great getting to know you. And I can't wait to keep following your journey and see all the amazing things that you could you do. And, um, if your Instagram, something, if you need me to post, like I will be more than happy. Like, Hey, go thank you. Yeah. Pimp me out. Yes. I will. Well, I'm going to pimp you out anyway, but like, <laughs> if you choose to do the backup account, like, let me know. And I'm sure your circle of friends will help you out too. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. I enjoyed meeting you virtually and talking <laughs> with you and I look forward to maybe another one in a few years and we can talk about everything that I've just manifested. (laughs) Yes. I know. That's what I'm super excited for. Like I've even interviewed like my first interview, like she's already like gone so much further than our first interview. Holy crap. Like love it. it. Yeah. It's just amazing to see the stories and the struggles too of Mm -hmm. owning a business and sharing it and not keeping it just in the dark, this secret that no one talks about and you're just successful on Instagram. Absolutely. Again, thank you for listening to Don't Call Me Girl Boss. The best way to support this podcast is by liking and subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Instagram at Don't Call Me Girl Boss. There is a new episode every Sunday, usually in the afternoon or at night. Thank you again for listening.